It's time for CBJ in 30, presented by Telhio Credit Union. Find us on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play Music, YouTube, and TuneIn. The easiest thing to do is tell Alexa or Siri to play CBJ in 30. Here's your host, Bob McGilligan. Welcome to another Monday Mailbag edition of CBJ in 30, presented by Telhio Credit Union on what is going to be a huge day in the National Hockey League. It always is, even if all the deals don't get done this day, it's a big area of focus. It is trade deadline day. Three o'clock this afternoon, the trade deadline hits. Any teams that have not made moves and want to make moves, they have until three o'clock Eastern this afternoon to get that done. As of this moment, the Blue Jackets have not been involved in any trades. It is expected that there will be some activity by three o'clock this afternoon. As far as what that activity is going to be, who knows? And I'm going to talk all about that. I'm going to answer your questions about the Blue Jackets. But before we get going, I want to congratulate the Ohio State women's hockey team for a fantastic season and a huge win yesterday in the national championship game as they beat Minnesota Duluth 3-2 to was the final score. Just a hardworking, grinded-out game for the Lady Buckeyes. And I guess that shouldn't be a surprise because that's pretty much what they are. They are a group of hard workers, and they just continuously got the job done all year long. We had Nadine Muserall in our radio booth about a week ago, and she talked with Dylan Tyre, and after she was done with her interview, I got a chance to really meet her for the first time and talk to her, and just listening to her talk, you could see how her players very easily get bought into what she is selling. Uh, I told her she reminded me of John Tortorella. She has that same old-school kind of attitude about her. But she is uh, somebody that, again, gets her team to play for. And, oh, by the way, they recruited a really talented team at Ohio State. So it was fun to watch, especially in the final seconds of that game, the way that they just uh, they just kept working. They didn't let Minnesota Duluth pull the goaltender until in just about the final minute, I think it was. Uh, they just kept chipping the puck down the ice. They wouldn't let her get off the ice. They wouldn't let them get that extra attacker on. And it, it was so fun to watch and to watch the celebration and the smiles and the tears and the hugs and everything afterward. It was a fantastic afternoon in State College, Pennsylvania for the Lady Buckeyes of the Ohio State women's hockey team. So congratulations to them for sealing the deal, getting the job done, winning their first NCAA national championship. All right, before I get to your questions, I've got to tell you about the folks at Ohio Credit Union. They've been servicing this area for a long, long time. And when I say servicing, I mean, yes, they've got customers. They've taken care of their customers. They make sure that whatever your financial needs are, they are there to take care of them and help you to uh, take care of them for yourself, I guess I should say. But it's also the service they've given back to the communities that they are in. That has been a huge part of what they are and of what they do. And they have done it for many, many years. Like, they're just not a new kid on the block here. They are a part of the fabric of the community. If you don't belong to Telhio Credit Union, or if you're wondering why should I, go to their website at telhio.org and just go around, surf the website, click on the different links, look to see the services that they have, whether it's for your personal banking or whether it's for your business. Anything from a checking account to a savings account to a personal loan or a small business loan, you can find out about all of that and much, much more at tellhio.org. If you can't find the answer to a question that you have, if you're looking at their website during regular business hours, there's a live chat option. You can click on that, 
somebody will pop up right there on the screen to help you to get your question answered. Telhio Credit Union is open to everyone in Central and Southwestern Ohio. They are federally insured by NCUA. All right, it's time to get to your questions, the ones that I've gotten sent to me on Twitter, at Bobby Mac Sports, and I do have a voice question. I always like to start with a voice question that was emailed to me, Mac at bluejackets.com. That's my email address if you ever want to get me anything that way. So let's start with that question. Hi, Bob. Jonathan Grove City here. So the Blue Jackets currently are ranked number nine in goals four, which is pretty awesome to see that they have performed so well this year offensively. Uh, and has also made the games a lot more exciting, especially given watching the previous years where they've struggled to, to score at all. Uh, but if you go and then look at the goals against, they are 31st in the league, um, just ahead of Montreal. So that's definitely where this team has got to, to make some serious improvements here for next year. And I wanted to get your thoughts. If you are looking at them to change them, where do you start with that with this team? Uh, I know the goalies haven't performed as well this year, um, but the team in front of them hasn't played as well either. Uh, the defensemen are a very young core, uh, somewhat undersized as well. Uh, so I know, is it just a matter of helping them continue to develop and, and bulk up some and get stronger? Um, are the forwards not playing tight enough more, and responsible enough defense? Too many turnovers offensively where we're trying to be too aggressive on the other end? Um, and again, I understand that it's totally a team thing, right? Everywhere has to get better. Uh, but that being said, where do you think it needs to be focused on the most to get the biggest change for you? Um, you know, so, so I was just kind of curious to think to see where you might uh, start with that, whether that's goaltending, um, the defensemen, the forwards, structure, um, whatever, uh, just to see because I think that this team has the potential to be a playoff contender, honestly, if they can figure out how to drive that goals against number to a more reasonable rate. Uh, so, yeah, just want to get your thoughts on that. Thanks, Bob. Well, Jonathan, that is a very good question, very good point. Way to do your research on that. Um, you are correct in all areas. And before I give my answer, I have another question that I got on Twitter at Bobby Mac Sports that is very similar. It's from the Canon. It says, I don't see the blue line roster changing much for next season. So do you anticipate any change in scheme or in the coaching staff to improve the team's defensive play? Love the scoring, but this group leaves the goalies exposed too often. So I want to put these two together because I think it's uh, really easy to do just that. Uh, let's go through the numbers. Let's get everybody up to date on the numbers uh, so that, uh, you know, Jonathan's not the only one that knows what they are. Coming into today, the Blue Jackets are 10th in the league overall. Uh, they dropped a spot since Jonathan sent the question. 10th in the league overall with 206 goals scored. Now, the other teams that they are around, let me tell you the teams that they're better than in scoring goals. Uh, the Carolina Hurricanes and the Nashville Predators and the Pittsburgh Penguins, all of those teams in playoff races, they have all scored 202 goals. So that's less than the Blue Jackets. The Vegas Golden Knights have scored 201. The Boston Bruins have only scored 186 goals at this point going into today. All right, so those are teams. I'm talking about playoff teams. The Blue Jackets are right there. They are right in the mix with those teams without question. But as you pointed out, when you go to the other side of it, then it gets uh, a lot different. When you go to the goals against, the Blue Jackets coming into today are 30th in the league. They have allowed 232 goals to be scored against them. Who are the other teams 
that are in that category with them? Well, below them, the Detroit Red Wings, the Montreal Canadiens. Right above them, the New Jersey Devils, Seattle Kraken, Arizona Coyotes, Buffalo Sabres, Chicago Blackhawks, Philadelphia Flyers, Ottawa Senators. Are you sensing a theme here? I'm up to number 23. I've gone really from the bottom up to number 23. The first team that is in a playoff race is ranked at number 22, and that is the Minnesota Wild, and they have allowed 192 goals. The Blue Jackets with 232. That is a big difference. It is a big gap. So the question is, and both questions come back to the same thing, what has to be done? What needs to be changed? And I'm going to tell you, I will start. I was going to do this and say you start just like when you build a team, you start at the goal and you make your way out, but I'm not going to do that. And I'll tell you why. Because this defensive core, I feel, just needs experience. Very simple. There are a lot of guys that you are really relying upon putting a lot of minutes in every game that don't have a lot of experience, not a lot of National Hockey League experience. They don't have a lot of NHL games. Zach Wierenski, boom, you got him. He's your number one guy. He's got all the games he needs. He's good. But look who he's playing with right now, Andrew Peak, on a top pair. And Peak has gotten better and better and better as the year has gone on. There's no doubt about that. I wouldn't argue that for a second. He has been really good, especially for what he's been asked to do with limited experience. He probably, no, not probably, he wouldn't be in that role. On a good team, he is not playing on the top pair. That's just a fact. On a playoff team, he's not playing on a top pair. So he is overachieved, to his credit. He's he's learning every day. I just heard him say that before the game on Saturday. He said, I learn more and more every day playing with Zach Wierenski, facing the top players on the other teams. I think this experience is invaluable for Andrew Peak. When this team is back in the playoffs and challenging for a Stanley Cup, if Andrew Peak is a third-pair guy, and I'm not saying he's going to be, I'm just saying if that was the way it is, if that's the way it would all filter down, Think of how good he is going to be in his role based on the experience that he is getting right now. Think about that. This is invaluable, not only for him to get the experience, but to be excelling at what he's doing. This is going to pay dividends, I think, down the road with him in particular. Okay, but let me get back to it. He still doesn't have a lot of NHL games. Vladislav Gavrikov, in the big picture, does not have a lot of NHL games. He has more experience than some other guys, but he, he doesn't have a ton of it. Then you've got Jake Bean, very little experience. Adam Boquist, very little experience coming into the year, and now he's been hurt a couple of times. He hasn't even been able to come close to putting in a full season here. And when you get beyond that, look, today's trade deadline day. Dean Kukin is one of those unrestricted free agents. I know he's been playing on a regular basis right now, but I don't know where that's going. Uh, Gabriel Carlson, he doesn't have a wealth of experience. Um, you know, Gavin Bayreuther is a guy that they signed as a, a two-way guy, American Hockey League, National Hockey League. I think he's done a great job when he's been asked to play this year. But again, the experience factor is just not there with this group overall. So as they gain more experience, they're going to get better. Hands down, they're going to get better. So I'm going to start right there. And I'm going to say that. I don't think you need to change any assistant coaches. I think Steve McCarthy, who, oh, by the way, is a guy that was supposed to be in Cleveland, but then at the last minute things got changed around, and he came to the National Hockey League to be a coach for the first time at this level, and his players love him. His defensemen love him. He puts them out there to play. 
If they make mistakes, he expects they're going to make mistakes. They go over the mistakes. They get better. They don't feel as though they're going to get put on the bench or they're going to be healthy scratch the next game because they made a mistake. And that that's huge. Again, that is huge. That's what this season was supposed to be for this franchise, okay? Let's not forget that. That's exactly what it was supposed to be. So they love Steve McCarthy. He's done a great job here. You don't need to change that. You don't need to change the scheme either. And here's where I think the Blue Jackets have gotten better as the year has gone on, their total team defensive play has been much better. And that has helped out on all sides. The forwards have done a better job of playing defense. That has helped the defensemen, and it has helped the goaltenders as well. So, you know, that's got to continue to get better. Look, let's think back to the beginning of the season. Was Patrick Line back-checking early in the year like he has been in the last month to six weeks? I don't think so. All right, everybody is bought in here. And and this was a young team. We talk about it, youngest team in the league, blah, blah, blah. But this year it was different. I tried to tell you this year it was different because when you were one of the youngest teams in the league or the youngest team in the league before, you had your stalwart guys that were there for a long time. You had your Nick Felino and your Cam Atkinson and your Seth Jones and your David Savard, and you always had that core. There are still core guys here, but it's a younger core, and it's different. And then you bring in much younger players, and it's different. And they have to learn, and they have learned. And they are only going to get better playing that full defensive team scheme. So that'll be better. That does leave the goaltenders. And listen, that has been, to me, the biggest disappointment throughout the year. I've sat here and I've told you for the last two years, the Blue Jackets are so lucky because they have two guys that could be starters. They don't have a starter and a backup. They have a 1A and a 1B. Told you that a million times. That's how I felt about it. That's how I felt coming into this year. But they have not played like a 1A and a 1B. And they are both at fault for that. Jonas Corposalo has had a dismal season. It has been, uh, first of all, I was so happy to see him come in and finish off that game against the St. Louis Blues, uh, especially after what happened to him against the Washington Capitals where he got pulled after allowing three. It was so good to see him come in, and if that happens to be his final game in a Blue Jackets uniform, at least he came in and saved the game, made sure that they had a chance to win, and that's what they did. So I'm so happy that he got that opportunity. Does he get another opportunity? I have no idea. No idea. Elvis gets hurt in that game, and uh, Jean-Francois Berube was put on the roster as an emergency emergency call-up. So I don't know what's going on with that right at the moment. So I don't know if he's going to be here after 3 o'clock today or he's not going to be here. I don't know. But here's the thing. It's been a dismal season for him. And Elvis has self-admittedly not had the season that he was expecting or wanted to have. So whether one of them's here or both of them are here next year, and I don't expect they both will, Elvis will. He's got to be better. Got to be better. I think Elvis, in my opinion, I think Elvis in these last couple of games has done a much better job of staying calm in the crease and not trying to make some heroic play once per game that, yeah, if it works out, it's terrific. But when it doesn't work out, oh boy, does it really put you in jeopardy. And we've seen it. We've seen it a lot. I, the last couple of games, I've really watched him and I, I think he has stayed in his net much more. I think he's been more calm and No coincidence in my mind, he's been more effective. 
And I also told you this. When it comes to this goals for and goals against, and yes, they've given up too many. I, I understand. The goal differential is is not it's not going to get you where you want to be. You look at the teams that are in the playoff race. Um, they are in the plus in the goal differential. The Blue Jackets are in the minus. They're giving up more than they're scoring. Yes, so that is not a good formula. It's not going to – normally it's not going to get you into the playoffs, and if you do, it's not going to get you very far. Okay? But remember this. I did tell you early in the year to get used to five to four games instead of two to one games. Did I not? I know I did. I know if I go back, I can pull the cut. I guarantee you. So they were always going to give up more goals, in my opinion. They opened it up more, played a little bit different style, not the packing in in front of the goaltender, John Tortorella style, block every shot that you can. They're still blocking shots. They still pack it in once in a while, but they're just more free-flowing offensively. And that's going to lead to more goals against, no question. They've got to find the balance. They've got to find the balance in that. Their team defensive structure, their goaltending's got to be better, and the defensive core has to gain experience. And they only gain experience by playing games. So it's going to be a process that is going to be slow moving because once this season ends, you got to wait till next season to play more games. All right. So that's my answer to all of that when it comes to those questions. Now, I did have this question from Brandon and I did pretty much just answer it. But uh, Brandon says, I'm a fan of the Columbus Blue Jackets. Do you have any updates on Elvis and if he will be able to play anytime soon? I don't, Brandon, and I'll tell you uh, one of the big reasons why is because there was nothing on Sunday, no practice on Sunday. So the Blue Jackets are back on the ice today before the trade deadline and before a trip to Pittsburgh late this afternoon. So that there will be a better answer to that question when it comes to that. But I, I don't know. Um, I don't know what the situation is as of right now, so that's all I can tell you. All right, where should I go from here? I'm going to answer this question from Linda. Linda had a pretty good question here. And her question is, is it just me, or did Jake Voracek do something to really irritate the officials? He seems to draw blatant penalties that fail to get called. I'm not just talking about the Felino non-call against him um, in the Minnesota Wild game, of course, she's talking about. But she says there have been trips and hooks all over the place, or so it appears. Well, Linda, I think it's a couple of things. First of all, Jake's been around the league for a long, long time. The way that he plays, I think sometimes... He shakes off things that could be called penalties, and uh, they let it go because he still does play a physical game. I mean, he's a big-bodied guy. He shakes off a lot of stuff that they could call, and then they don't call it. As far as did he do anything to upset the officials, I mean, he's always talking. He has an opinion on everything. I don't know. I don't want to say that he's made anybody mad over the years, but he could. He obviously he's got a reputation that he talks, right? Um, I saw that uh, clip from the uh, Behind the Battle where uh, on his 1,000th game, one of the officials said, once you played a 1,000, uh, you can't chirp the refs, right? Or something like that. And, uh, you know, they were laughing about it. So he does. And, and I'm not saying that, they're, that they get mad about it. Maybe in certain situations they could. Maybe sometimes they don't make a call because of something that was said in the game. I think that's fair to say for many players, but I don't think there's a specific thing or specific reason. I think the way he plays that he just shakes off a lot of stuff that uh, would be called against other players. He's bigger, he's stronger, and he's been around for a long time. So, you know, they also have seen him play and, 
and they expect him to get through that stuff. But not saying that's right or that's wrong. That's just my opinion and uh, giving you the answer on that. All right, what else do I have here? I've got another email, and uh, this is from this is from Keith. And Keith says, Do you foresee Gus Nyquist being re-signed or traded before the end of next season? I recall a few episodes ago where you said he was likely gone by next year's trade deadline. Have your thoughts changed with his recent play alongside Patrick Laine? They seem to have found some chemistry over the last few weeks. Having a veteran player that can play a two-way game would be helpful as these young guys develop, even if he drops down to a second- or third-line role and can play up if needed. His recent comments on wanting to stay are helpful, given the tendency of players wanting out of Columbus as well. I'll answer that question first, because there are two here. Yeah, my thoughts have changed about that. Now, I'll tell you this. If I'm a playoff team, even though Gus has another year left on his contract, the way he is playing right now, I'm on the phone seeing if I can pry him loose because he is just doing a lot of great things right now. That's also the reason that I would like him to stay beyond the end of that contract. And I did see his his comments that he made about wanting to stay here, and I believe that they're very genuine. I really, really do. This group is tight. These guys do like each other. Brad Larson put him in the leadership group, uh, gave him an alternate captain spot for half the games. There's not a coincidence. I mean, he looks at him as a leader. He sees him as being somebody that can help this team on and off the ice. Okay. Um, you know, it'll, it'll come down to this to me it comes down to this. It's got to be staying under the salary cap. You have a lot of wingers that are going to be coming in, in theory, in theory. Uh, and when I say in theory, I mean, you know, Kent Johnson's going to come in. We thought career Marchenko might come in before the end of this year. Now that's kind of up in the air with the situation going on over in Russia. Um, Dmitry Voronkov after next season coming in. There are guys that are supposed to come in and take spots. But Gus is a very valuable guy. He is a valuable guy. Is he part of the long term here? And maybe that gets answered based upon, you know, and when I say long term for him, I mean, really, at his at his age, or what are we talking about? Maybe, like, if I could get, and this is just me spitballing here, if I could get a two-year contract extension for him at a hometown discount or something I can work under my salary cap after next year and guarantee he's going to be around for the next three and, and see how it goes from there and with these young guys that are coming in, how they develop and, and how it all works, as of today, right now, I would do that. I would do that. I think it would be good for him to be a part of this. And again, I just don't know how all the chips are going to fall when it comes to finances, um, you know, term of contract, and you know, and does he become so valuable that you have to look at trading him because you're going to get more value that way? I don't. I don't know. I don't know. But right now, he's playing really, really well. Um, again, if I was a GM by three o'clock this afternoon, I'd be asking. And I'd be shocked if somebody hasn't asked. I know he's got another year on his contract, but, you know, you can work that out if you want to. I mean, look what the, the Blackhawks did when they got uh, they sent uh, Hagel to the Lightning. I mean, he was under contract for another couple of years, and they did it. Lower, lower hit, I get it, but I'm just saying. Uh, you can make it work if you want to make it work. So I would be fine if Gus is a part of this for 
beyond next season. I would be fine with that. Next question says, any recommendations on places to go in Minneapolis-St. Paul? We're planning on attending the game on Saturday night. Hopefully one day the Blue Jays, yeah, Blue Jays. Hopefully one day, that's what happens when Day and Blue Jackets are that close. I can't separate in my head. Hopefully one day the Blue Jackets will have a presence at away games in the future like some of the Blue Jackets' opponents. Quite a few Blues fans were there on Saturday night. I believe that you have said in the past, winning will change that for the Blue Jackets. That said, I think the future is bright for this team. I'll be honest, this year has gone better than I expected. Absolutely, Keith. I agree 100%. I've I've told you. I've said that from day one. I've said they've done exactly what I predicted they would do from the beginning, but they've done even better than I really thought that they would do. So I'm with you on that. Just down the street from the XL Energy Center in St. Paul, there is, and I don't know if you're staying in St. Paul, if you're staying in Minneapolis, but if when you're over near the rink, all you have to do is go down block and a half, two blocks. Tom Reed's. Tom Reed's pub is there. Uh, Tom Reed is the radio color analyst for the Minnesota Wild. He was a former NHL player. It is a hockey bar, hands down. And it is great. It is just, uh, it's it's as, um, what I'm trying to describe, it's not fancy. It's not fancy. It's blue collar, and it is just a great place to go watch hockey. You're going to meet people there that uh, will be great to talk to. And the atmosphere is great. Tom is a great guy. I would really encourage you to go to Tom Reed's place. I talked to Tom when the Wild was in a couple of weeks ago, and you know I was talking to him about getting through the pandemic with his business because, you know, and especially if you have a business, it was really, really hard, right? And he said that, uh, you know, they had to tighten the bootstraps, but they found a way to do it. They got through it. So Tom Reed's, it is right down the street from the arena in St. Paul. So I would very much encourage you to go there. And check it out. All right. Where are we going next? We've got to start talking about some trade stuff, right? Because it is trade deadline day, 3 o'clock this afternoon. The Blue Jackets are going to look the same or they're going to look different. I think they're going to look a little different. I don't know how different. Heather has this question. She says, I've seen a lot of reports that if Max Domi is traded, the Washington Capitals are very interested. If this happened, who or what would you want in return for his incredible skill? I'd be sad to see him go, but do believe it will happen. Can't wait to listen. Heather, your wait is over. Um, the Washington Capitals feel like they need somebody with some grit, and he does have high-level skill. There's no doubt. We've seen it. His passing has been superb. Uh, his numbers are, you know, every player wants more. So he, I'm sure he wants more, but it's fine. I mean, when you look at what he does – he is a bottom six winger on this team. Could he go to another team and be a middle six winger? Yes, absolutely, he could. But what are you going to get for him? What is his value? I was talking with a scout the other day, and I was kind of trying to pick their brain and see what what the value might be. My question was, can you get a second-round pick for Max Domi? And you might be scratching your head and saying, boy, is that it? I mean, he's really got a lot of skill. He does. He does. But it's just, you know, you're in a situation that to me, you're in a situation where other teams know that you don't want to let him walk. You'd like to get something for him. Um, you know, when you look at what he's done this year, yes, he's he's had bright spots. There's no question about it. Um, I'm stalling here because I really I just want to look uh, specifically 
because I don't want to be wrong on this. And I know there was just a game a couple of days ago, and I know that I know I'm right in what I'm going to say. And now it's proven because I looked it up. He's only got nine goals, but he does have the 23 assists, so 32 points on the year. He does have that sandpaper game. He can be in your face, and he can get gritty, and he uh, and he can fight if you got to fight. I mean, he can play playoff hockey. There's no doubt about it. And I said this uh, last week, probably the week before on this show, you know, on a, on a good team, you know, knowing his role, he could be a really good player for a playoff team. But um, I think a second-round pick is the ceiling. Now, if I'm wrong on this and, and they flip him for a first-rounder or if they get a, a player that, uh, you know, I was talking with Aaron Portsline on Friday, and, you know, I asked him, is there any chance in getting somebody somebody back, like an actual player, an actual body back and you know, Jake DeBrusque with the Boston Bruins. He wants out of there. Um, you know, could you work something with that? I, I could see Max Domi being really good in Boston in the playoffs. Um, so, but I don't know. I don't know if that's going to happen. But I think, to, personally, if I could get a second-round pick for him, uh, I would take that. Maybe it'll be less than that. Maybe it'll be a third-round pick based on the other guys that have been traded and what they've gone for. And depending on what happens during the day, I mean, where will the price go? Is, is the price going to get pushed up because of other guys that are moving or not moving? Or is it going to be stagnant? Or how's that going to work out? But um, I think if it's a team like the Capitals, you're not going to get a player back. I think you're going to have to take a draft pick. So I would say my guess would be second or third pick for Max Domi. I know I, I know, it sounds crazy I, because when you see him play every day, you know what he's capable of. But, you know, these teams, are they're, they're giving you what – they're going to go on the numbers. They know what he's capable of, too. But they're going to fall back and try to get him for the least uh, amount of cost that they can as well. It's That's the business of the thing. There's no doubt about that. Uh, what else do I have here? Wes Minky. He said, we've talked about how this season has been an overachievement thus far by the Blue Jackets. However, with where they sit in the standings, they're likely sellers. Yes, they are. But not. I would say not likely. I would say absolutely sellers. Anyway, Wes says, what is the possible return on Domi? I just went through that. Roslovic or Corpusalo, and should those moves have been made a while ago? Roslovic, in my opinion, and I said this before, I said I don't know if I would be willing to give up on him. He's still a young guy. He's got a lot of upside. That was before Boone Jenner was out and he was playing as a top-line center with Patrick Laine and Gus Nyquist. I wouldn't send him anywhere. I really wouldn't. Or if I did somebody would have to really talk me into it by what they were offering for him. I don't. I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't do that. I almost said I don't think I would. I'll tell you right now. I wouldn't at this point in time. Still a young guy. Get him under contract. Hometown guy. So many, so many pluses with Jack, especially with the way that he's playing right now. So I'm not looking at him at all. Corpusalo, this Elvis injury could put a fly in the ointment, you know what I mean? Because let's just say Elvis is going to be out for a while. And again, I don't know, as I said earlier, but let's just say he's going to be out. Do you want to trade Corpusalo for whatever you can get and then have Barube and whoever come in here and, and play games for, for the rest of the year? I don't know. I So I don't know how that injury is going to affect this situation or if it is going to affect it at all. I don't feel they're going – I don't think they have a chance of getting – the value they could have gotten for Jonas Corposalo. Look, hindsight's twenty twenty. I get it. I understand. And you know, if you listen to the show regularly, you know I have never, 
ever wanted to get rid of Jonas Corposalo. Even now, when all the cards are on the table and the starter has been set and he's not it, I, I still hate thinking about it because I like the guy so much. But anyway, let's just get beyond all of that. Um, when he played in the bubble, probably is when he was at his most value. But there were other goalies that were flooding the market too that had more experience and had better numbers overall. So they were kind of trapped with that the entire time. Maybe earlier this year, if there was a situation that presented itself, and I I don't know. I heard there were some situations. I don't know exactly what the return was going to be. But I've heard there were situations that could have been acted upon. But the Blue Jackets didn't feel like they were getting the worth in return. So they held on. And now it seems as though if he goes anywhere, it'll be as a third goalie for somebody that's in the playoffs, like an emergency backup guy. Like if somebody gets hurt or if somebody's just totally not performing, then he will work his way into the rotation. And if that's the case, if that's all you can trade him as, then you're looking at a fifth, sixth, seventh round pick, I think, for that. And that's that's a shame. That's a shame because um, he had higher value. But, again, you can talk about a guy's value, and as soon as you look at the other guys that are on the market at the same time and their track record and their experience changes the whole thing. And the Blue Jackets got caught in that. There's no doubt about that. They got caught in a a bad situation where they probably would have liked to move one of those guys at a different point in time and then just couldn't do it. Just couldn't do it for numerous reasons. But that's what I think. And Dean Kukin, if Dean Kukin goes somewhere, he's the other unrestricted free agent. If he goes somewhere, again, I, I don't see that being a very big pick because I see him being probably an eighth defenseman, you know, insurance policy, just like Corpusalo, uh, if he were to go somewhere and be a third goalie, it would be an insurance policy against injuries in the playoffs. So that's that's how I see it. And by 3 o'clock this afternoon, we'll see how smart I am. I know. I know. Some of you are saying, I can tell you how smart you are right now. I can probably tell you how smart I am right now, but I might be wrong. I might be wrong. We'll find out by this afternoon. Uh, Here's one from Dylan. Dylan says, what is the realistic expectations for the Blue Jackets in the next couple of years, and how does this trade deadline affect the next couple of years? Well, again, Dylan, uh, it affects it by what picks you get and then what you turn those picks into. And also, as I was talking about earlier, you've got wingers that are coming, and you're just going to have to clear guys out for the new guys to come in at some point. When you get to that point, uh, you have to have spots for guys to play that you feel are going to play. So this trade deadline, that's what I see it as. Uh, if you're moving out, if you're moving out of Max Domi when the NCAA hockey tournament is over and Kent Johnson comes in here, then you know you've got a spot right now, right? You're going to put him there right now. And I know if you kept Domi, you could move somebody else out of the lineup. I, I get it. I get it. I know, but I'm just saying you're clearing a spot. So this trade deadline is going to be um, clear spots, unrestricted free agents that you're not going to re-sign, trying to get something for them instead of getting nothing for them. And then what you do with those picks, how you package them or who you pick with them, 
when you get that opportunity. That's how this trade deadline is going to affect uh, this team over the course of the next couple of years. Brent has a question. He says, hey, this is not about the deadline, but Jackets Insider told me this was a good question, and I'm pretty proud of myself. All right, Brent, well, you're setting it up. You're setting it up. Are you going to set it up for failure or success? Let's find out. Here's Brent's question. When a starting pitcher gets pulled, the relief pitcher gets some warm-up time on the mound. More practice pitches, especially if it was an injury. Should the National Hockey League consider that too? I understand the question because I've always said this, the hardest thing in the world I think to do, the hardest thing in sports, hardest job in sports, is the backup goalie for a number of reasons. Uh, number one, you have to be paying attention to the game. You can't sit there in la-la land and not know what's going on because the minute somebody gets hurt and you have to go in, you have to know who's hot, who's not. You have to know where they're shooting the puck, the weaknesses they are trying to exploit. And even though they might look for different weaknesses on you, you've got to know what their tendencies have been throughout the entire game. You've got to be watching the game. You know what bullpen pitchers do? They sit in the bullpen. They talk. They eat when they can eat. And they're about half paying attention, if at all, to the game. Now, when it's time for them to go in, they start paying attention really quick. Now, what they have, though, is a catcher who has already taken all the data for every hitter and what they've done and how they've pitched him. And all all the pitcher has to do is look at the sign and throw the ball where the catcher says to throw it. Here's the pitch you're going to throw. Here's where I want you to throw it. Do it. Okay? Goaltender doesn't have that. They don't have uh, another half. They've got themselves. So they've got to sit there and they've got to sit there and they've got to pay attention. You know what some bullpen pitchers do? I didn't know this. Stupid me. I did baseball for years and years. And I didn't know until I started working with a former pitcher about what what the bullpen pitchers do during the game. I worked with a guy named Mark Lukashevitz, big, tall, left-hander. Uh, he was with the Angels when they won a World Series. And um, he met his wife in Syracuse. And so when he retired, he moved back to Syracuse. He eventually ended up broadcasting with me. And, and it was a lot of fun. I mean, he's a great guy. He's a lot of fun. But we were talking one day during a game, and somebody was in trouble early. The starting pitcher was in trouble early. And he was saying, uh, you know, something about, you know, if anybody's even in the bullpen or if they're still in the clubhouse. And I was like, what do you mean? He goes, hey, I used to sit in the clubhouse and eat peanut butter and jelly sandwiches and play cards until the sixth inning. I didn't even think about going down there until the sixth inning because the the clubhouse was uh, behind the dugout. You know, you went through the tunnel to go into the clubhouse, but then you could go out of the clubhouse and down past the indoor batting cages and go all the way out to the bullpen, which was behind the left field wall. So you could be in there watching TV and eating sandwiches, and the manager and the pitching coach would never even know unless they came into the clubhouse during the game. So he said, yeah, I'd sit there. I didn't even think about going down there till the sixth inning. So as a goalie, you can't do that. You just can't. So I understand the question, but my answer is no. No, I don't think that they should. It just takes too much time. You're not going to stop a game in the middle of the game and let the guy come in and take shots. Now, they do that in the preseason. When the goalies change at the 10-minute mark, or at the 10-minute mark of the second period, I should say, they change halfway through. They'll let a guy go out and take a couple of shots on him and warm him up, but I don't think that's really necessary. It's a hard job, and maybe it's not fair, but too bad. That's the way it is. And why stop the game and have that happen? I mean, a preseason game, who cares? Most of them aren't televised, and 
you know, everybody knows the guy's going to change and it's not a big deal. And the players can stand around and wait for another couple of minutes. In the midst of a regular season game or a playoff game, they're not going to stop that game. TV's not going to want to stop to stop it in any way, shape, or form. And uh, what else? Uh, it's just not going to happen. It's just not going to happen. I don't. Th- I don't think it's necessary. You just got to deal with it. And I know you're not stretched out or whatever, but it's been that way forever, and I'm okay with it staying that way. So, Brent, I understand your question. It's not that it's a bad question. You should still be proud of yourself. You should be, but I would vote it down. I would say no. Just get out there and play. Because how often does it even really happen? Honestly, once in a blue moon. We're talking about it. Why? Because it just happened. It just happened to the Blue Jackets the other night. But you know what? Corpusalo went in there, and he made his first couple of saves, and it was not that big of a deal. So anyway, 3 o'clock this afternoon is the trade deadline. I've got another show coming up for you. It's going to go live starting at 2 o'clock Eastern this afternoon. It will be on Twitter Spaces. That's where I'll do it live. So if you have a Twitter account, all you have to do is look for it. When I post it, you can join as a listener. If you have a question, you can request to come on as a speaker. I'm going to have guests on that show. Uh, Jody Shelley will be with me, Jeff Rimmer, Jean-Luc Grandpierre. Yes, we'll get all the experts to talk about it. And even those who think they're experts and aren't, like me, will talk about it. No, I am. I'm definitely an expert. There's no doubt about that. We all are. And that's why uh, that's why we're going to be there. So that's coming up at 2 o'clock Eastern today. Then Yarmo Kekalainen will speak just after 3 o'clock. And uh, that's going to be on the Blue Jackets channels on the live stream. Uh, BlueJackets.com, YouTube channel, Twitch. We'll do that uh right after 3 o'clock, and then Dylan Tyre, Jody Shelley, and I will wrap up from that before Jody and I head to the airport and go to Pittsburgh for the game tomorrow night between the Blue Jackets, or the game Tuesday night, I'm sorry, Tuesday night between the Blue Jackets and the Pittsburgh Penguins. So I'm looking here to see, um, before I let you go, at the time that I am putting this together, the time I'm putting this together, um, there have been some trades that were made. Sunday, and let's see what was done. What was done on Sunday? Sunday is or has been March the twentieth. Yeah, so a lot of stuff done today. Uh, the Florida Panthers got Robert Hag from the Buffalo Sabers for a 2022 sixth round pick. That kind of kicked things off today. Uh, well, the big one happened last night, right? Uh, Claude Giroux along with a 2025 fifth-round pick, uh, centerman Connor Bunneman and uh, another centerman went to uh, – a prospect centerman went to the Philadelphia Flyers in exchange – or came from the Philadelphia Flyers, I'm sorry, in exchange for Owen Tippett, a 2024 first-round pick and a 2023 third-round pick. So Tippett, that 2024 first-round, 2023 third-round from the Flyers or going to – I got this all screwed up. Claude Giroux leaves Philly, goes to Florida. Owen Tippett goes to Philly, and then there's the picks. Okay, there you go. I'm not even tackling it anymore. That was the big one last night. Happened late last night. Then um, also the other big one yesterday, I guess I should say, Hampus Lindholm comes to Boston from the Anaheim Ducks. Uh, 2022 first-round pick goes to the Ducks. 2023 second-round pick, 2024 Second round pick as well. And then Lindholm signs a contract extension with the Boston Bruins. All right. Um, Sunday, 
Mark Giordano and Colin Blackwell traded from the Seattle Kraken to the Toronto Maple Leafs. Maple Leafs getting that uh, defenseman that they were looking for. Uh, Giordano goes back. He maybe plays on the same pair with TJ Brody once again, more than likely. They played in Calgary together, so uh, they will be reunited there. The Kraken, uh, what they get is a 2022 second-round pick, 2023 second-round pick, and a 2024 third-round pick in exchange for those two players. A lot of people, uh, a lot of uh, the hockey experts talking about Colin Blackwell being kind of an under-the-radar pickup there for the Toronto Maple Leafs. We'll see. Uh, the Ottawa Senators got uh, defenseman Travis Hamanick from the Vancouver Canucks in exchange for a 2022 third-round pick. The Los Angeles Kings pick up defenseman Troy Stetcher from the Detroit Red Wings in exchange for a 2022 seventh-round pick. Uh, also, the Vancouver Canucks get defenseman Travis Dermott from the Maple Leafs in exchange for a 2022 third-round pick. Uh, the Tampa Bay Lightning able to pull off another deal. They send Matthew Joseph in a 2024 fourth-rounder to the Ottawa Senators in exchange for Nick Paul. Nick Paul was negotiating with the Senators for a contract extension. They couldn't get it done, so he goes to Tampa. Boy, I'll tell you what. You think about um, maybe Nick Paul playing on the same line with Brandon Hagel, and um, they they could be formidable with their bottom six once again. Uh, Nashville gets defenseman Jeremy Lazon from the uh, Seattle Kraken in exchange for a 2022 second-round pick. Scott Wedgwood, a goaltender, goes to the Dallas Stars in exchange for a 20, uh, 2023 fourth-round pick from the Arizona Coyotes. Jake McBain didn't want to play from Minnesota, didn't want to sign with them, so they trade his rights to the Arizona Coyotes in exchange for a 2022 second-round pick. And just before I finish, and this was just announced moments ago, so I've got to look it up make sure I get it right, uh, the Winnipeg Jets, who the Blue Jackets will play, Later in the week, they have acquired Mason Appleton from the Seattle Kraken in exchange for a 2023 fourth-round draft pick. So that trade, I tell you, just before I go to bed. Mason Appleton going to the um, Winnipeg Jets. And wasn't Mason Appleton with the Winnipeg Jets before going to the Seattle Kraken? I... uh, I do believe. I do believe, indeed, he was. And so he is headed back there. That's exactly what's going on with him. So the the Jets making a move and bringing back Mason Appleton once again. So that is the latest as it stands. Maybe by the time you listen to this, uh, it'll be different. It'll be changed. Or maybe it won't. Simple as that. But at 2 o'clock this afternoon, Got the live trade deadline show for you again on Twitter Spaces. I'll post it afterwards, but if you want to listen to it live, go to uh, on Twitter and find me in my Twitter space with Jody Shelley, Jeff Rimmer, and Jean-Luc Grandpierre. You can chime in, ask questions. We'll be glad to answer your questions as we go along. That'll be from 2 to 3. And then uh, Yarmo Kekalainen will talk around 3 o'clock, and we'll wrap it up for you on the Blue Jackets live streaming channels uh, later this afternoon before heading to Pittsburgh. All right, so that is going to do it. Thanks for all of your questions. Uh, For those of you that voted last week to get this out on Monday morning, here you go. Here I am on trade deadline day. First thing that you get to hear is my voice. How could your day be any better? By tuning in again at 2 o'clock this afternoon is the answer. All right, that's going to do it for this Monday mailbag edition of CBJ and 30 presented by Telhio Credit Union. Until later on, I'm Bob McElligot saying so long.